welcome to another episode of the F Geeks Podcast. I'm sorry this episode is getting out to y'all so late. I had to redo this entire thing, and it is very, very frustrating because originally I recorded this episode Thursday night. I was going to have y'all have an episode Friday and, no, not Friday. Um, I was going to have y'all have an episode for y'all Saturday and Sunday. Saturday was supposed to be the East. Sunday was supposed to be the West. Give y'all my whole prediction, standings, everything like that. However, I recorded both episodes. I was about to post them. And then when I posted them, they got corrupted. And so I had to redo the whole thing. And then, but by then, I usually, once I post the episode, it's a bad habit of mine. Usually once I post the episode, I usually delete everything. Um, because I used to have a bad habit um, a couple weeks ago. I just started doing that a couple weeks ago. Like I used to have a bad habit to where I had every single episode on my hard drive. Yes, my hard drive can hold up every episode, but I just thought, you know, once I recorded everything like that, unless I'm saving it for later, once it's the day it's supposed to post, then I can delete it, save space, you know, just clean, keep, keep a clean hard drive. However, I wish I didn't because now these are gone. I even have my notes on there now. This time I'm freestyling. Last time I had notes. I had everything I wanted to talk about. So this time I'm basically just freestyling off some of the things I remember of that. And that's just going to be a a freestyle type episode. So this time, instead of starting with the East, we're going to start with the West. Because, hey, we're changing it up since it got changed up anyways. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the West, how I think their standings are going to go. I'm going to give them about a range. I have a prediction of where I feel like they're going to fall. Then we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back for the East. So first in the um, – also, I'm going to divide them into five tiers. Every I'm going to fi- divide all the areas into five tiers. Tier one are like championship contenders. These are the teams I think are have a legit chance for the championship. Tier two is like they could make a run for the championship if they make a move or injuries happen, anything can happen like that. They're not – clear-cut championship favorites but if you know things go the right way like i said make a move or two they can jump in and be like okay hey we have a legit chance now um tier three are you know they're playoff teams but they're not like legit they're gonna they're they're basically staying around the um playing area they're not they're not they're okay they are guaranteed players these are teams i feel can't miss the playoffs so they're going to either be around the seventh, eighth seed, or worst case scenario, you know, as far as like 10 seed, maybe 11, 12, just missing the plan. But they're in that little area. They're kind of like that no man's area to where they're not legit contenders, but they're also not bad enough to fall outside of the playoffs. Um, tier four, I have the team, the section right under that. The Because I don't want to put, I didn't want to put all the teams all right there together. Because when you start looking at some of the teams, it's like, hey, this team, they're clear like lottery team. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. But this other team that's also technically falls in it because they're not a playing team. They're not a clear-cut lottery team if, you know, they, they're just a young team. They just need to make some moves. If anything, like they develop properly, they can eventually jump into that tier three, that playing area. Or, like I said, barring injuries, barring big moves, they could jump into that tier three. So I wanted to kind of separate tier four and tier five. So tier four is just that little area. And then tier five are the clear cut 
these teams are going to miss the playoffs. These teams are going to be the bottom of the bottom regardless. They are in clear rebuild mode, and they are clearly going to be at the bottom for the next couple years while they're rebuilding. Kind of like the trust the process type play uh, type teams. So now that I have that out of the way, we're going to start off with the first tier five team, the number 15 team on my list. I have the OKC Thunder. Not much to say here, really. They're obviously in real build mode, a.k.a., like I said, trust the process mode. I might be wrong with Josh Giddy. I'm not going to lie to you. After seeing him a little bit in preseason, I said I wasn't the biggest fan of them taking him right there because I felt um, they could have hit on some other players potential-wise, fit them together better with Shane since they're clearly – they're sitting there clearly rebuilding. Why not take the biggest chance for the person with the highest potential? But, you know, they still win with Giddy. And, hey, I don't – hey, I, I hope he works out. I hope I hope I am wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. I never want to see a player's career go down the drain. So I really do hope I am wrong and hope he can put it together and um, be a really good player and play to his uh, draft position. Um, they have really – they don't really have many players like vets. They don't have any vets on this team, honestly. They only have two players who have been in the league over five years. I remember if I can remember correctly from my notes. They only have two players that have been over in the league over five years. You know, they're extremely young. Half of their roster is literally made up as of rookies and second-year players. I think like seven or eight of their players are, are literally rookies or second-year players. That shows you how young they are. So they're going to grow together, and we're going to see what the OKC Thunder can look like in the next couple years. Eventually, let's say Giddy works out, Shea works, Shea continues to grow and keeps being better and better. They package some of these other young guys together, bring in another, like, actual really good player to, alongside of Giddy, Shea, and Dort. Who knows what can happen. In a couple years, they can make some noise. But as of right now, I can't see them outside – of that 14 to 15 range. Like, there's just no way I see the Thunder being, like, the 13th seed in the West. Like, unless injury happens, I think they're honestly the clear-cut 15th seed in the West. Um, the second Tier 5 team we have, I only have two Tier 5 teams in the West. Um, this is the other one. I have the Rockets, another really young team. They need to grow with each other I think they already have their core, really. They just need to grow. Unlike the Thunder, who need to make a couple moves, give them a couple more draft picks, I think the Rockets have a really, really good young core already. Um, they have Kevin Porter Jr. They have Green. They have Tate. They have Garuba, Singun. Off the bench, they can have players like Kenyon Martin, Josh Christopher. I think that is a really, really good group to grow into, you know, the future with. You have, like I said, you have solid scores in KPJ, Jalen Green. KPJ can be a good playmaker. Singoon's a good scorer, back-to-basket, you know, back-to-basket kind of a scorer. He can, he's working on stretching the floor. He can protect the paint and everything. You have Garuba, who's supposed to be the best defensive rookie coming into this draft. You have Tate, who had a pretty good year last year. You have Kenyon Martin, who's showing promise. Josh Christopher, who can be a really good six-man, and he can be a really good tough-nosed defender and leading your um, second string and scoring and everything like that. He can be, a, you know, in a couple years, few years, be up to a 15, 18-point-per-game score off the bench while being a solid defender. I think this, is, this team could be legit if they just grow together, you know, Obviously, anything can change. They can change their core. People not work out like I'm projecting them to. They can move around. They can make trades. Anything can happen. I still think that they need to move on from Gordon and Wood because they're still valuable assets at the moment. 
especially Wood. I've been saying this Christian Wood thing forever. Basically, ever since I found out they had the second pick, I was like, move Christian Wood. Because I'm like, let let it just go into Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., rock with it. Let's see how they go. Let's just see how they go. We, you have nothing to you have nothing to lose. Um, Christian Wood can be, you know, a really good player on a championship team, or he can be on a team that's trying to make that um, extra piece for a championship run. Like they they could get some for him. He could be. A, I think he could be good over there in Dallas. He can be good in a lot of different places that need, you know, a big that can stretch the floor and do everything. Like that. I know they have. Um, What's called Porzingis, but y'all know how things went with Porzingis. He obviously wants to move, so they can go that route. There's just a different bunch of different routes they can go with Wood and get as they can get a significant package since he doesn't match their timeline. Eric Gordon also doesn't match their timeline. He can go be over there trying to be on a contending team. You can get something from Eric Gordon. It might not be the best package, but you can get something. Clear cap space because you have three players getting paid. No, those three players are Mr. 40 Mill, John Wall. You have Eric Gordon and Christian Wood. Why not go ahead and move on from Christian Wood and Eric Gordon so you can get packages for them? And then John Wall, unfortunately, you're going to have to attach something to him. So let's say you trade Christian Wood, you get a first and something else. You're going to have to attach either that first or attach whatever other player, young player you get along with that Christian Wood package to that John Wall, because you have to attach something to get rid of him, because nobody's just going to take that contract just to take that contract, and I can't really see him wanting a buyout, because who's missing out on $40 million? So, I mean, he's obviously not worth that much money anymore, so, I mean, I can honestly see them in the same range as OKC with that, like I said, that's why they're in Tier 5, 4 and 5, because they just got to make a decision with those three players, where everybody else on the team is fairly young, they still like... They have Tice there too. I don't think I don't put Tice in the same realm as I put Christian Wood because Tice can be like a more of a mentorship type big, and he can still stay there, you know, be a better and be everything like that because you're not going to get that great of a package for him. Um, I can see, like, like I said, Eric Gordon and Christian Wood, you can get some from Tice. I don't really see him getting that much, so why not just have him there, being a you know better to the young guys and just growing with them and everything like that. Um, now let's jump into tier. Four, yeah, I almost forgot how to count. Yeah, uh, tier four, team thirteen, and that team will be the first thing we're gonna talk about is the San Antonio Spurs, another young team. You know, they have some good pieces to build around. They have Dejounte Murray, they have Keldon Johnson. I'm still interested to see how this Primo fit goes alongside Murray. I saw Primo looking pretty good in what's called preseason, but I'm not exactly sure still how he fits alongside Murray and see how everything that goes right there. Um, if they work, it's going to be solid. They still have Lonnie Walker, so their guard play is pretty good. I mean, they have okay bigs, not good enough ones to make them any better than a 12 seed, honestly. So I can see them, you know, falling into that 12 to 13 seed just right here. Maybe worst case scenario, if injuries happen, dropping on the 14th, but I can't really see them dropping past that. Not much to really say about the San Antonio Spurs. Um, tier four. Sacramento Kings, I like this team. I really, really like the Sacramento Kings because I am a huge fan of De'Aaron Fox. I even wanted us to draft him. I'm glad we didn't draft him because we got a better player. But at the time, I wanted us to draft De'Aaron Fox. Um, I like this team, but I just don't think they're ready yet. I don't think they're ready to make that jump yet. I think within the next couple of years, they can make the jump up to, you know, 8th, ninth seed and, you know, fight for the playing and everything. However, I just don't see them being there yet. They're still trying to figure their identity out defensively. 
Yes, they added um, Mitchell, but Mitchell alone isn't enough to just change their defense altogether. Um, they still got to figure out this rotation guard-wise. They have De'Aaron Fox. They have Halliburton. They have Hill. They got Mitchell. Um, they got they got a lot of people to figure out. They could. And I know they're supposed to try to be moving uh, Bagley and Hill, but until they do, they got something to figure out right here because it's like, do you want to go with the De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton lineup? Because how they can both, they you saw last year, Halliburton can play as a primary or the secondary ball handler, or do you want to bring Tyrese off the bench and put Keith Buddy Hill there, or do you want to put Mitchell and Fox there, or do you want to put Mitchell off the six man role? Like you just have a lot of things you need to figure out right there. They also still have a solid scoring and Harrison Barnes still there at the forward spot. Like I already mentioned, they got Bagley. Bagley isn't as bad as people make him out to be. He's still a solid start in this league. I like I like Bagley. I just don't I don't like he he gets I get it because of you know he got drafted before Lucas. So obviously if you get drafted right there, they're gonna hold you to a certain standard. But I still like Bagley. I like him coming out of Duke. I still think he can be a solid starter in this league, but he's always gonna catch heat for that Luca pick. And I mean it's just we're just gonna see if they trade him or not. If they don't, I still think they they'll be they'll be solid right here. If they do, they do. I can't really see them with their current roster construction. You know, I can't see them pass at best case. Let's say everything works out. Best case scenario, I see them as an 11th seed. Worst case, I still have them in that you know 12 to 13 range. I don't see them worse than the Rockets or the Thunder yet, but I still don't see them better than any of these teams above them. Excuse me. Um, tier three, we can jump up to 11, which is the Minnesota Timberwolves. I like this team a lot as well. These are like the Kings and T Wolves are two sleeper teams. I'm really, really enjoying and I really, really want to be good because I like the players on their teams. Um, I expect them to be actually like really decent. I expect it's like really, really decent because, um, cat, Cats there, Delos there. Hopefully they can stay healthy and this team can make some noise. We saw Anthony Edwards, uh, what was that, the second year? He started off slow, so the second half of the season, that man was hooping. He was hooping, hooping. We saw him go crazy, so Anthony Edwards still there. They have, um, what's his name, what's his name? Oh, um, Malik Beasley being a borderline 20-point-per-game scorer. He was, he was really, he was showing out while um, Cat and D'Lo were missing games. They missed a lot of games, so why they were missing games, Malik Beasley was out there hooping. And I just think if they could have, like, you know, I think they're one piece away from being a, you know, playoff playing caliber team. Um, I still think they're a playing team right now. I know a lot of people, other people don't believe it. But I think they're one piece away from being a true, true playoff team. I still put them in Tier 3 because I think they're going to make a move. Instead of putting them in tier four, but I still think they're just like maybe just one piece away. Like I feel like Ben Simmons here would be perfect. Add that defense. They already got a lot of score. They have a lot of scores on this team. They don't really have playmakers. D'Lo score first. Anthony Edwards score. Cat score. Malik Beasley score. They have a lot of scores on it. You need to add more defense and playmaking. I think Ben Simmons would be perfect here, but I don't know if that move is gonna happen. So I still think they need to make some kind of significant move. If they make a significant move. They can jump all the way up to who knows the eighth, ninth seed. I just don't think they're ready yet without making a move. But if they make a move, they can jump all the way up there. If they don't, they honestly can fall all the way to thirteen. Who knows? Who knows? They they might be one of the teams that fall and do worse than I expected because they don't make any moves. But you know, time will tell. Um, ten the Pelicans with Zion coming. You know, he got it. He he. Excuse me. We just found out he's coming back from a broken foot, so obviously they're gonna struggle. 
However, there's going to be a lot more spacing because you have Valentunas there instead of Steven Adams. You have, what's it called? You have B.I. there, and with B.I. being their number one option, Zion not there, Adams not there, B.I. wanted more spacing so he could slash because he doesn't want to be just a shooter. Yes, he can shoot, but he's not he's not the one he's not one of the players that wants to shoot a lot of threes. He wants to work in the mid-range and slash a lot. So B.I. being there, he can do what he wants to do. He the his the floor is gonna be open. He can score as much as he wants. And as long as he can keep them above water until Zion returns, they can be a legit playing team. Um they obviously got worse defensively losing Lonzo, but they received a much, much, much more aggressive score. And Devontae Graham, I don't know if I'm going to call him a better shooter because he struggled a little bit last year, but the year before he had 20, he averaged 20. So Devontae Graham, who, like I said, much aggressive, more aggressive score. So he's going to, he's going to shoot the ball. He's not going to be scared to shoot the ball, but they're be, at the same time, losing Lonzo, losing that defense and playmaking. So yes, you got more scoring, but you're losing on playmaking and defense. So who's going to be the true playmaker on this team? Who's going to be the defenders on this team? They still got to figure that part out. Um, they can be anywhere from 10 to 12. I don't really see them jumping up to that 8 seed. Uh, eight seed. I think at best they're going to be a 10 seed, which still lets them fight for the play-in. Who knows? It's just one game. B.I. could go crazy. Zion could go nuclear. We don't know what can happen. Right now I have them at the 10 seed. Um, ninth seed, I have the um, Memphis Grizzlies. They just paid um, Jared Jackson Jr. Josh to take another step into that all-star level alongside, you know, Dylan Brooks coming out as a two-way stud. I don't see them, like, I don't see a way, barring injury, that they aren't in the player in tournament. I think this is a team that's guaranteed in the player in tournament. They're not going to drop to 11. They're going to be uh, 7 to 10. No, best case, 7. Worst case, 10. They're going to be in the play in tournament one way or another, barring injury. Uh, I know they did lose a little spacing because they added Steven Adams, but having a player like Jared Jackson Jr. who can shoot the ball, I don't see it being that big of a problem. Steven Adams is a really tough-nosed, you know, Memphis type of player. He can set hard screens. He can rebound. He can play defense around the paint. He can do things like that. He can do the little things that's going to make him, you know, valuable in Memphis. I just don't see the. I don't think they're good enough to clinch the playoffs, but I don't think they're bad enough to miss it. So I have them just right here. Um, At eight, I have the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Portland's kind of stuck in no man's land. And, I mean, they're just a point. They're just At this point, they're just a team – that's like really just staying at the bottom of the playoffs, guaranteed first round exit. They're not getting better. They didn't get better from last year. Um, maybe a full year in Nurkic and Powell helps Dame and CJ lead them to a seventh seed, but nothing past that. I honestly feel bad for Dame because they haven't shown any improvement, and at this point, are just wasting the end of his prime. Yes, they added more defense, like in Larry Nance and Covington and everything like that, but their second and third options of CJ and Powell, they aren't enough in the West to actually compete. Um. I have them, like I said, in a similar tier as the Grizzlies. That's why I know this tier three. I have them. They can honestly, I don't see them falling out of the plan because Dame's relatively healthy, and I don't see Dame allowing that. I see him just willing them to at least the plan. But honestly, like I said, I feel bad for him because it's going to be a playing game. Maybe they get out of the plan. Maybe they don't. If they do get in the playing game, there shouldn't be a first-round exit regardless. So, it honestly doesn't matter. We saw what happened in the playoffs last year. The man was going crazy, and they were still losing. I just I just feel bad for the guy. Um, that was Tier 3. Now we're going to jump into Tier 2. Uh, at 7, I have Wardell, Stephen Curry's Warriors, and I don't believe he's going to allow them to be out of the playoffs barring injury. 
They added Mr. Rain Man, Otto Porter. They added um, what's called Eagle Dollar. And though I only see Otto Porter getting meaningful minutes, like you know, I don't really see Iggy getting that many minutes. Um, it is what it is. What's called they added old boy from the Kings too. He struggled. Like I said, I wish I had my notes from I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, the four out from the Kings, he struggled last year. Cause I remember I wanted Boston to get him because he was a legit 40% three-point shooter for like three or four straight years. Then he struggled last year with the Kings, but the Warriors already grabbed him. Grabbed him. So, you know, another stretch big to go along. Spacing, three-point shooting, wonderful things for the Warriors. They need spacing, especially since they have a inside big and wise man and everything. You know, it just opens the court up. They still have that Wiggins contract alongside some young guys. They can move, you know, bring in – to big, you know, that contract plus those young guys can move around, bring in a big time player, anything like that. Clay should be back. I'm, I'm assuming probably like January, February, but we aren't sure about that, you know, because um, the reports keep changing. But I'm assuming he's gonna be around that January, February range. We don't know what type of player he's gonna be because he's missed two years of basketball. Uh, we, we just don't know. We don't know if he's gonna be that defender. His shot still should be there, but we just don't know about defensively what kind of player he's gonna be now. Uh, Poole has been, like, balling in the preseason. He's shown a lot of growth, and he has Warriors, like, really excited about him being the third Splash Brother. You see it all over social media. Best case scenario, they make a big move. Clay comes back just as good as he left, and the Warriors can be a four seed. But worst case, Clay doesn't look that good. Warriors front office says, hey, we're going to stick with our young guys. We're not going to make any trades. We're going to stick to this core. And I see them dropping as far as a ninth seed, but... Still in that playing area. I just don't see Steph allowing them to be outside the playoffs. Um, at six, you have the Clippers with Kawhi, you know, more than likely not coming back until right before the playoffs. He's going to be on that clay-type timeline because he's coming back from that injury. And so when he does come back, he's still got to work himself back into shape. I can't really see the um, the Clippers led solely by PG past the six seed, honestly. I'm, I'd be lying to you if I think they could get past the six seed. Uh, I can see Paul George having a monster season, yes, monster regular season, but I don't think his monster season will be enough to put him in a top five team in the West. They still don't have a um, playmaker. They added Drew Bledsoe. However, I'm not sure how you know how much he has left in the tank. He got moved from Milwaukee because he wasn't looking good anymore. Maybe with a new team, he can revert back to his old days, baby Braun days, have a decent year, like 15, 5, and 5. Help the Clippers exceed expectations. They also have Batum, who can take over some of the playmaking duties. They have Reggie Jackson, who's not a traditional playmaker. He's more of a score first, but he's also there. I mean, I can see them anywhere between the 6 and 8 range. I don't see the Clippers being all that this year, like I said, because they're missing Kawhi. They're going to need some more shot creating, and I don't think Paul George as a number one without having a clear-cut number two will be enough to get them, you know, further in top five in the West. Um, at five, I have the Phoenix Suns. Even after a big year, I know, I know, I know they just made it to the finals, but even after doing all that, once again, I, I, I swear this happens every time. I got to, I got to, if I start recording, I got to turn this alarm off because I always set an alarm to tell me to go record, but then I'm already usually recording before I even start the alarm. Anyways, um, I know they are coming back from that big season, but for some reason, they're going to have distractions this year because they will not pay Aiton. They pay CP3. They pay Mikael Bridges. They have not paid Aiton. Aiton said he wanted the max contract. Ownership said they hung up the phone. They said, we're not talking anymore. Nothing else to talk about. They ended conversations there. They haven't said anything else since then. That's, I don't, I don't know. They're not, I don't know 
if Aiton is a guaranteed max player. But look at some of these players that are getting these big max contracts. Aiden better than some of these players and has higher potential than some of these players getting these max contracts. So I think you just, especially after like a year like that, you know this is your young core. You need something to build around. Why not just pay Aiden, have a Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, be those your that's your core. CP, yes, you brought him back on a lot of money, but the man 37, about to be 38, he old. He's old. He's not, he only got a couple years left, if that. So you don't know exactly what you're going to get there. So why not just save yourself, pay Aiden? You know that's going to be a distraction all year. Now, why would you even put that in his head to be like, you rejected him, y'all didn't even want to talk anymore. Now, when he's thinking about um, free agency and everything, being a restricted free agent, that's in his head now. That's in his head. He doesn't even want to talk about contracts with y'all. He doesn't want to be with y'all. What happens now that y'all didn't pay him? What happens if he requests a trade or demands a trade? What do y'all do then? Because he's like, I don't want to play for y'all because y'all don't want to pay me. I'm going to go play for somebody that will pay me because there's a bunch of other teams out there that will pay that man. So what happens then? You just got to break up your core. So honestly, I can see the the Suns, if all this happens and this distraction out of this drop, I can see them dropping all the way to the like, seventh, eighth seed. Because DeAndre Aiden was their anchor, and he was an anchor that could also score. So he was a defensive anchor who, like, was really good at what he was doing. How, and then you saw a team like the Clippers try to play how they did Rudy Gobert. And be like, okay, well, you have a big, that's your defense anchor. We're just going to do a five out and, you know, do like that. And then they couldn't because DeAndre Aiden was like, give me the ball on the block. I'm not Rudy Gobert. I'm a scorer. I can score. I can shoot the mid-range. I can do I – can, I can score as well. I'm not a one-way player. I'm a two-way player. And he was just – he was dominating like that. So they couldn't go small. They have to go. They have to stay big and everything. And DeAndre Aiden is a valuable big man in this league. And the fact that they don't want to pay him, you know, it's going to be crazy. It should be interesting. Like, so my, my rating could – at first I had – I was thinking the Suns could be anywhere from three to six. But none with this Aiden situation, no Aiden, they can drop to eight depending on what they get back for him. Um, I still think Mikael Bridges is going to have a good year because I think he's going to be an all-defensive, like, second-team player. But, like I said, it's still going to be kind of crazy seeing how they all pan out. I wonder how Devin Booker feels about that because he's their star. I wonder how he feels about them not wanting to pay his um counterpart. Should be interesting. At four, we have that boy Luka, Luka, Luka. You know, Luka for MVP. I want to, you know, the Mavs have to at least be this four seed. I don't think... This is best-case scenario, okay? This is best-case scenario. If the Mavs aren't the four seed, Luka's not getting this MVP. So, since I have Luka winning the MVP, I have to have them at least at the four seed. Um, we got to see what happens. Who knows? With this new Jason Kidd offense where he wants, you know, the ball out of Luka's hands and wants to play more off-ball, which I understand completely because one player dominating the ball majority of the time will not work. It will not work. Um, I know a lot of people saw that. They were upset. They're like, why would you take the ball out of Luka's hands? He's the best player. He makes the best decision. But that's not championship basketball. Do you want to win game? Do you want to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put up crazy numbers. We can be a playoff team. Or do you want to try to go out there and win championships? We saw it with James Harden. It's not going to win championships. Kobe even said that that style of play is not going to win championships. We saw it with um, Kobe himself when he was going nuclear, carrying those Lakers team, doing everything. Not going to win championships by yourself. You need to have the rest of your team there. You need to have the rest of your team helping you do everything like that. You saw it with Jordan. He was trying to, he was going nuclear, averaging 35, 30 plus a game, everything going crazy. But it wasn't until they took the ball in his head and put it more in Scotty's. Yes, Jordan was still going crazy, scoring 30 a game, scoring damn near 30 a game. But it was when he was playing more off ball as well. 
when they started winning more games. Um, I think that this whole Moses Brown and KP thing can work out because I like Moses Brown a lot. I think he was averaging like a crate per 36. Cause I like advanced stats. I know there he's not going to average 15 boards a game, but per, per 36, he was averaging 15 boards a game. He was going crazy. He killed our my Celtics whenever he went when he played us. Um, so it should be interesting. Hopefully, uh, Porzingis can you know get out his feelings, stop trying to be the number one when he knows he's not the number one anymore, and just play his role and be Luca's no, a true number two. Have a bounce back year, and they make some noise. I mean, I'm hoping they, you know, I'm hoping they go all in and they 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 do make this best case scenario and be number four. Worst case, I have them fall into like six. I don't see them falling past there. Um, fi- finally, 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 we are in the tier one. Tier one championship contending team. At number three, I have the Denver Nuggets. With Jamal Murray missing like a majority of the season, they're going to need Michael Porter Jr. to step up. That's why he's my favorite to win most improved. He's going to have to, you know, he wants that extra 30 mil. He's going to have to get that all NBA layer. He had, you know what I mean, and it's not like he can't. Um, we saw he how good of a score he could be. He he averaged 19 a game. He had some crazy efficiency. He was shooting like 50% from the field. He was shooting like 44% from the three. He was like shooting like six threes a game. He was going crazy. A lot of that stuff was catching, shooting off cuts. It wasn't really like him handling the ball, creating for himself. So hopefully in this offseason, he got in the gym, got in the lab, worked on his handle and everything so that he can be a true shot creator. He's going to be that – he's going to have to be that number two on this team if they're going to want to make some noise. He's going to need to get up to that 25 points per game to help them get to their title hopes. And even when Jamal Murray comes back, I think Michael Porter Jr., if he hits his potential like he's supposed to, he will still be the number two. Jamal Murray will be the number three on this team. I mean, they still got people. They brought in Jeff Green. They still got Aaron Gordon. They got people like Bobo and Bones on the team. They're they're pretty solid um, bench-wise. They got a lot of depth. Uh, I think the only like I think this team can hold hold and get by until Murray returns. And I think best case, you know, they're a two seed if you know Michael Porter Jr. goes nuclear. And worst case, they're a six seed if they if he doesn't reach that potential and everything. And then, but I I just can't see them falling to a playing team either. Like there's no way I see them falling to a playing team because they are a championship contender. At number two, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. There isn't much to say really about them. As much as they make, like, they try to make themselves be this underdog. They keep saying, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. People aren't favoring us. They say, oh, whatever. They're the clear-cut favorite to come out the West. The only reason I don't have them in this number one spot is because I know their goal is a ring and not winning, like, a lot of games and try to be that number one seed. I know they're going to rest players throughout the year. They have the star power with LeBron, Russ, and AD, as well as a bunch of shooters on the floor, two win games. They have... Well, like I said, LeBron, Russ, and AD, they have enough star power to get them by if they want to rest. So if LeBron wants to rest the game, Russ and AD can get them by. If AD wants to rest, LeBron and um, Russ can get it by. Any way combination they want to go, they can play different styles. They can play small ball with AD at the five, or they can play big ball with DeAndre Jordan and AD in there. They can basically counter any lineup. So they can be very dangerous. Their perimeter defense will be like their main concern to me. But I feel like that's more of an effort thing. So in the playoff, in the regular season, I feel like there's going to be a lot of complaints. You're going to see a lot of people talking about their defense, a lot of people talking about X, Y, and Z. But I feel like in the playoffs, they're going to lock in, and you're gonna, they're going to look like a brand-new team. And it's just going to be it's going to be night and day, what you see on their on the defensive side. So I think they're probably going to be around that second to fourth seed. I don't really see them losing home court advantage. But, like, barring injury or anything, I can't see 
anybody making it to the finals other than the Lakers, honestly. But anything can happen in this um, league, so that's why I have multiple teams up here in this Tier 1. Number one, I have the Utah Jazz. Everybody claim they got this team figured out. They think they have five outs going to work, but I don't see them not finishing the top two this year. As a team with depth, I think they're going to continue to get better because Donovan Mitchell is going to continue to get better. The sixth man of the year favorite, Jordan Clarkson, is going to continue to get better. Rudy Gobert is still there. He's still a good anchor. I just don't see a lot of teams also running that five out through with the regular season. I see them more than likely waiting to the playoffs and using that in the playoffs because um, it wouldn't make sense to run through the regular season. Because if you run throughout the entire year in the regular season, the Utah Jazz are going to start getting used to it. They're going to start thinking of counters. They're going to start doing everything like that. And they're going to figure things out. Don't let them get looks at it. Don't let them get used to it. Don't let them do anything like that. Save it for the playoffs. And even if you do run in the playoffs and in the regular season, you're not guaranteed they're going to hit their shots that day. They might have a bad shooting day. It might not work. Rudy Gobert can try to work on his offensive game, his post hook this year. So when you play small, he can get the ball on the block and actually score and be a threat to where pull the DeAndre Aiden to where you can't play small ball. So I think best case scenario, they're number one. Like I said, I can't really see them falling out of the top two, but worst case scenario, maybe they do and end up at three. I can't really see them going past there. But um, yeah, that's been the first segment. That's been the first half. We've been gone quite a while, which is why I wanted to break this up into two episodes. But because of time constraints now, we're just going to keep it in one episode. So we're going to take a short break and be right back. <laughs> Back like we never left, and we did the um. Did we do the east? No, I'm over here confused. Right, that's how long of a break I took. Um, we did the west in the first half, and now we're doing the east in the second half. So, like same thing, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five, breaking them up like that again. Going off the dome, I think the east is going to go much quicker than the west because the west is much. I think that like their their lower tiers were much more stacked and had potential to make the playoffs other than the these eastern teams. So I think this time it might go by faster, especially since we wasted so much time in the west. Golly, I was talking a lot. But anyways, let's jump right into it. I have the Pistons at the 15th spot for my first team in tier five. Uh, they're obviously in rebuild mode, just like the Thunder or. They they have their backcourt of the future maybe already with Cade and Killian, so they just have to build around them, surround them with the right pieces, the right personnel. I like Stewart. I like Sadiq Bay. I think Diallo is honestly up for a big year. I think he can get up to like twelve to fourteen points a game this year. I think he's gonna he's gonna be their breakout player that outperforms his, what they thought he was gonna be. I think just like the Rockets with Wood, the you know the Pistons should cash in on the what's called Jeremy Grant. I think they're in rebuild mode, get assets, flip them, do things like that. They're going to be really bad this year. They're going to be really bad next year. So just focus on development rather than wins. Go ahead and move Jeremy Grant. Best case scenario, they might go to four, but I can't honestly see them going past 15. Um, At 14, I'm honestly not sure what's going on in Cleveland right now. They still have to figure out this Colin Sexton situation. They're extremely small in the backcourt, and they have a lot of players in the frontcourt. They paid Allen that big contract, so they're going to play him. They're probably going to start him. But then they drafted Evan Mobley, and so he's probably going to be their sixth man and come off the bench. Um, They also brought in Taco, even though I know he's on a two-way. He's not going to play much, but it's still funny that they brought in Taco. They got Laurie Marketing. They paid him. 
They still have Kevin Love on their roster. So their front court is going to be interesting. I think they're going to do like a Kevin Love, Jared Allen starting off, and then off the bench have Laurie Market and Evan Mobley because I don't want to see Mobley in the, in the same time as Allen because then I feel like that's going to stun his growth. I think Evan Mobley is going to need spacing. So why not just pair him up with either Laurie Markner or Kevin Love so they can space the floor so he can have the paint to himself and actually develop, get adequate space, and do everything he needs to do instead of having him and Jared Allen there as to where he has to be a stretch big, which that's going to be too much. I know these are professional basketball players, but it's still too much for a rookie big. You don't want him to worry about being on the perimeter, shooting, doing everything like that. At the same time, worry about doing it. You don't want to give him too many assignments to work on at time. Look at what they did with DeAndre Ayton. Yes, DeAndre Ayton, while he was at Arizona and everything, was called, showed that he could shoot. He showed that he could space the floor. When he first came into Phoenix, he was trying to space the floor. He was trying to shoot jumpers. They were like, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's too much for you right now. Let's slow it down. Let's break it down into the little sets. But right now, we need you to focus on your defense, focus on around the basket game. Then we're going to slowly bring you out. That's where you're slowly seeing him get in the mid-range, slowly bringing him out, like slowly incorporate that to your game so you can focus on working on these strings so you can actually be a good center in this league. And then we'll add stuff to your game later. Don't try to do too many things at once. And so I don't want them with Jerry. I feel like that's what they're going to do. They're going to ruin Evan Mobley because they're going to have him doing too many things at once instead of having him be like, hey, don't do that. Focus on X, Y, and Z. Master your craft. You're really good at X, Y, and Z. Then we're going to slowly start adding your, to the, your game. We have time. You don't have to rush your development. Let's just take our time and get to the right spots. So I just don't I don't want to see them ruin Evan Mobley. But with all these front court issues, I feel like they probably are going to. Um, they also have Isaac Okoro. I love Isaac Okoro. I actually thought he was going to win Rookie of the Year last year. I was wrong. Um, the only reason I had him Rookie of the Year is because I thought LaMelo wasn't going to get play, enough playing time behind De- um, Terry Rozier. And Devontae Graham had just had a big year, so I thought he was going to be in for another big year. I thought Anthony Edwards wouldn't get the ball enough with D'Lo and Cat, but they were struggling with injuries. They just let him eat. So I was obviously wrong, but I still like Isaac Okoro. He's a really, really good defender. He just has to put it together scoring-wise and offensively. I think he could be a good, really good two-way player. He can make some noise, be a solid player in the NBA. Uh, I like Darius Garland a lot. I think he's the player to watch this year on their team. Honestly, to watch in the next couple years. I don't think he's going to make the jump yet, but I think within the next couple years, he's going to jump into being a top-10 point guard in this league. I really, really like them. Um... I mean, with all these young players, I just can't see them going past 14. They're going to be in this 14 to 15 range, just like the Pistons. I mean, especially with the confusion going around with this team, too. It's just it's too much going on. Um, the last team in Tier 5, I have the Orlando Magic. The Magic will be waiting for some of their key players to return from injury. They are, you know, that's going to give their young players plenty of time to play, which I love. I mean, I like Fultz. I like um, what's called Jonathan Isaac, but... They got they got young players and everything that also need run. I don't. It just doesn't matter. Oh, one second. Oh, what well, they just paid Kevin Herter, so that's another person getting paid. That's not named DeAndre Ayton. That's not named all these other people. I want to see the news break that DeAndre Ayton got paid, but obviously we're not going to see that today. We're just seeing everybody else that got paid today. But um. So where was like I said, all those young players they need to eat. They need to learn to play. Uh. 
their backcourt's kind of crowded because they got uh, Cole Anthony, they got RJ Hampton, they got Jalen Suggs, and like I said, they got Fultz returning. Um, they also have older guys like Gary Harris and T. Ross, which I think they're going to move. They honestly should move if they are wise because they're obviously in rebuild mode. They can get some for T. Ross. They can get some for Gary Harris and go ahead and move them instead of just holding them back right here and either having them take away from the young players' minutes or having them just raw on the bench. doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I think uh, Wagner can, you know, step into that Jonathan Isaac role until he return, play good defense, be kind of that Swiss Army knife that can play two through four, do everything like that. Um, They're already solid at the center position. They got Wendell Carter. They got Robin Lopez, which I'm not sure how I feel about that because they already have what's called Mo Bamba. So Mo Bamba probably not going to get no run anymore because they added Robin Lopez. They're going to... Wendell Carter Jr. is obviously going to be their starter. Then they're going to um, bring in what's called Robin Lopez off the bench, and then Mo Bamba is going to have to find in his minutes where he gets his minutes. And so it's going to be rough finding an opportunity for him. At this point, just trade him if you're not going to play him because I don't know. I like Wendell Carter Jr. a lot. Um, he was balling in preseason. He looked really good, so I think he's going to have a big year this year being a defensive anchor, you know, just going around the rim, doing things like that. I don't think they're as bad as the Cavs or the Pistons. But I don't think they're as good as teams like the the Wizards or any of the other teams. So I feel like right here at 13 is probably where they're going to fall. At Tier 4, I honestly, this time I only have one team in Tier 4, and that's the Wizards. Because I don't feel they're good enough to jump into Tier 3 where they're competing for the play-in. But I also don't feel like they're bad enough to fall into that Magic Cavs-Pistons range. This team is very interesting. Like I said, I don't feel like they're a playing team. Um, they still have Bill. They have they added Dinwiddie, but outside of that, they just don't have enough star power or firepower to compete to that playing area, in my opinion. I just don't think so. They have some younger guys that are ready to prove themselves. With Russ gone, the Wizards are going to need a playmaker, and I'm ready to see Denny step into that role, stop playing a catch-and-shoot wing, and play point forward, probably be their point guard, point forward type player. I think um, – Honestly, Denny's probably their best playmaker on their team. So hopefully Unsell, you know, uses him in that role. I feel like he'll be crazy if he doesn't utilize him in that role. They have much more spacing this year. They added Kuz and KCP. They also drafted Kispert. They got they got young players to play that can do things. Kuz is ready to prove himself as a legit player and show that he is, he says he's in the rank, the realm of Jason Tatum, Donald Mitchell, and all those other players that he wants to prove that he is that guy. Um, we're just going to have to see. I'm kind of finicky there because honestly, still want to see Rui get his minutes. And where Kuz is getting, if Kuz is getting a lot of minutes, that means Rui or Denny's not getting minutes. So it's going to be kind of a weird fit there. I want to see how that, I mean, just let the better player play, but I kind of rather have seen uh, Rui and Denny rather than Kuz, but we'll, we'll see how it works. They got to go through a lot of growing pains this season. I think they should focus more on development instead of being like a first round exit in the playing because I don't think that's really getting them much. We saw them do that last year, and I don't think they really gained much from doing that. I think they should just be focused on playing their young guys, get that development, and, I mean, best-case scenario, be in that 11 range, but they're going to probably be in this 11-12 range missing the play-in. Uh, tier 3, first team on Tier 3 at the 11th seed, I have the Charlotte Hornets. Um, this is a very, very young team. I just don't think they're a clear-cut playoff team yet. I don't think they're – good enough to get to that play-in area yet, but also, like I said, I don't think they're bad enough to be in that uh, Wizards Tier 4 area. I just don't think they're 
in that realm. They're just in this realm where they're almost a playing team. They're almost if if something breaks right, uh, Lamelo balls out and goes crazy and has a big jump, or one of these other players just break out that's not expected, or another team struggles with injury or anything like that, they can make the playing team. But if everything goes normal, everything goes as expected, I think they're just going to be right here on the borderline. Um, they still need help at that five position. They got Carey. They got Kai Jones. I just don't think neither one of them are ready yet to be like clear-cut starters on a playoff team. I like both of them. I like them both a lot because um, I was a big fan of Kai Jones coming out. I just don't think they're good enough yet to be there. I think in a couple years they will be, but yet right now, not yet. Um, they're still at the forward position. They got Gordon Hayward. If he can stay healthy, they got Miles Bridges. They got P.J. Washington. They got LaMelo at the guard. They got Book Knight, Rozier, who is like quietly been really, really, really good since stepping foot in Charlotte. They're going to be one of the funnest teams to watch in basketball alongside the Hawks, but I just don't see them really. I think best case scenario, they jump, they might jump into a playing team as like a ninth, tenth seed, but honestly, they're probably going to stay in right here at 11. Like I said, best case, they everything swings right. They, they might swing into the plan. Um, at 10, I have the Raptors. This team is coming on. The only, only reason this team is so low is because Siakam is coming off injury. Um, I don't think they have a clear number one option on this team. Uh, Van Fleet is a good scorer, but I don't think he's a clear-cut number one. He's a solid player, but I don't think he's the number one. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is really good, really good. He can be a two-way player. We saw him good in Portland. We saw him getting up to 20 points a game over here in what's called Toronto, but I don't think he's a number one yet either. He's going to be a number two. Van Fleet's a number two. Gary Trent Jr. is a number three. Van Fleet honestly might be a number three too, but Van Fleet, I like him really good, so I'm going to give him a number two. Van Fleet, number three. I mean, they can make some noise. They got some good guard play with Van Fleet and Drogic, but I just don't think they have that number one. I don't think Siakam is a number one option, and because I don't personally think he's a number one option, I can't see them going further than this. I think they're good at the forward position with Siakam, OG, Scotty, but that forward position, they got a lot of athletic guys that aren't that can't really shoot that well. Um, Scotty's good; he's gonna play defense. They got they, the, the Toronto Raptors, even with like um, losing Kyle Lowry, they're gonna be a good defensive team, but they're just not gonna. I just don't think they're gonna have enough offensively to be better than a ninth seed, maybe. Maybe, worst case scenario, jump 11, 12 seed, but I think best case scenario, they're right around this 9, 10 seed. I just don't think they have enough to get back to legit playoff contention. And then the last team in Tier 3, I have the Indiana Pacers. Similar to the Rockies and Hornets, I have them in this weird zone where they can end up anywhere like from 9 to 11. Um, they can be, they can end up anywhere from being a playing team to not. And uh, I like this team a lot, but and if not for the injuries, honestly, the Pacers would probably be higher than this. I'd have the Pacers in tier two, um, if not for injuries. They just extended Brogdon. They have two really good bigs and Sabonis and Turner. They still got to figure out what they're going to do there. They need to trade one and get some package, get some, get somebody, and cause they can get something, get something, and just make this team better, find a better fit. Cause those two don't fit together. They are really two good players, but you can't just put a bunch of good players on the team and make it work. You have to work with fit. So do you want to go heavily offensively with Sabonis, or do you want to go um, a defensive style with Turner? You need to figure that out and just go like that. They have um, what's called 
I think Brogdon, like I said, I was just talking about Brogdon. I had a, uh, I lost my train of thought for a second, got one of that little rant. I think Brogdon is like a tier three point guard in this league. He's not like a superstar tier one. He's not a super uh, all star tier two, but I think he's a solid starter who can be a solid defender. He can shoot. He can play make. He is as good as a point guard as you can get without getting an all-star. That's why I have him right there at tier three. They have Levert, who can be a 20-point-per-game scorer when he fully recovers. TJ Warren, who can also be a 20-point-per-game scorer when he fully recovers. I just think this team is solid. And, again, if they were healthy, they'd be higher. But they're not healthy, so they're just going to be stuck in this tier three at um, number nine. At eight, I have the New York Knicks. Uh, they added Kimball Walker, so they're going to have Kimball Walker and Derrick Rose, so they're going to be scoring fine at the guard position. They still have Julius Randle there. Julius Randle hit a game-winner preseason not too long ago. I just don't know exactly. I don't know if adding Kimball Walker necessarily gets them over that edge. I still see them as a playing team. Um, they're going to be – I think they're still going to be solid. They're still going to make some noise. They're going to be heavy defensively. But with Kimba on the court, they can get picked on right there. We saw in Boston um, when we tried to focus on defense, Kimba got picked on a lot. And if Kimba can get consistent and be a good scorer and go back, then I think they can still be solid because that's what they needed in the postseason. They need another shot creator outside of D. Rose and Julius Randle. And I guess that's where Kimba falls in. But even with that extra shot creator, I don't know if they have enough unless R.J. Barrett takes a um, big jump or one of these other players take a big jump and helps them get over to the next level. I really just can't see them outside of a, you know, probably probably a six to eight seed. They're probably, actually, I can see them fifth to eight, fifth to eight seed. Um, they can be best case just missing the play-in or fall all the way into the play I don't. I can't see them missing the playoffs. I see they're right in that tier right there, and they're just solid enough to just stay around. Um, same with the number seven team in the Boston Celtics. I don't see them being good enough to get past the fifth seed, but I don't see them bad enough to fall outside the plan. Um, Jalen Brown's coming back from injury. He's going he's gonna to miss the very beginning of the season. Al Horford's coming back from COVID. He's going to miss the beginning of the season. We still got a lot of things we got to figure out because we're going to start in with um, Smart as our starting point guard and be our playmaker. So we're going to run a lot of like that. We can't be good defensively because – Josh Richardson, if he has a bounce back year, he can look really good. We're That's kind of what we're betting on. We're betting on a lot of players having bounce back years. We brought in Josh Richardson. We brought in um, Dennis Schroeder, hoping that they come back, have a you know, bounce back year. If they do, I've seen a lot of rumors that if they do start playing well, we're going to trade them to contenders, which I'm all for because we're not legit contenders this year. So if they're playing well, trade them, get something else back because we're still aiming for next year or the year after that. That's what the Celtics have made clear. They've made clear that we're this year we're not aiming to win like win the championship. We're aiming to, yes, we're going to try to be as good as we can. Yes, we're not going to tank or anything like that because they don't want to tank with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown there. But they're not aiming for the championship this year. They're not paying. They're not trying to go pay people. They're not going all in. That's why they didn't want to make a lot of trades and everything. But they made it clear that next year they will be more open to going in, trying to get some pieces, make some noise and everything like that. So this year we just want to see Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, take that leap, see what we have with these other guys. Like give Aaron Neesmith a chance, see what we have with him. See Peyton Pritchard, even though he's come back from broken nose, see what we have with him. Give Romeo Langford a full chance, see what we got, um, got with him if he stays healthy. Everything like that. Rob Williams, see what we got with him. Like I said, Marcus Smart, see how good he can play the point guard position. See what we have with these other players like Josh Richardson and everything like that. And if they work out, 
then we can make some moves next year. If they don't, then we scrap them. We we look other ways and we figure out what will work. But we just we're trying to. This is basically a trial year just to see what kind of road they want to go. Um, coach already made it clear that he's on a he, he's changing the culture. He's on he's on no BS. He's already suspended Marcus Smart for a preseason game for breaking the rules. He was late to the plane and missed the plane. He said, "Cool, you're not playing tonight." Easy as that. I know it's just a preseason game, but he's already made it clear he's not playing that. Grant Williams was barking and yelling at a ref after a, a foul. He let Bam Adebayo go there and dunk because he was too busy crying to the ref. He called a timeout, put Grant Williams on the bench, was like, I don't got time for that. I don't have time for y'all yelling at the refs. He already told the players, we're not. y'all aren't going to talk to the refs. He told the players, y'all are going to be disciplined. Y'all are going to play by my rules. I'm not on that BS stuff right there. I'm going to, y'all say y'all want to be coached. Y'all want to be disciplined, which the players told him when they had their meeting, the players came out and said, we want to be coached well. We want to be disciplined because they came out and no shots at Brad Stevens, but they said it. They said they felt like when they got in trouble with Brad or when they got, when they did mess up with Brad, it wasn't really, they were really in trouble. It was kind of like a, ah, cool, whatever, move on. They weren't really coached hard. Yes, Brad Stevens was a good coach. He made good adjustments and everything like that. But they said he was, They didn't. He didn't coach them hard. He wasn't a coach that could get them to the next level. He wasn't going to coach them hard. And I, hey, I said he might not be the coach to get them to the next level. And, it can't, and that's how they felt too. So that's why it was good for him to move up to the next level because he's still a smart guy. He still can make good moves. He's just not the coach that they needed at the time. And Imadoka is showing so far that he he's trying to be that guy. He's trying to be disciplined. He's trying to come in and enforce his culture right off rip. So it should be interesting. But like I said, I can't really see them. That best case scenario, get into a five C. Worst case scenario, like the Knicks get into an eight C. I can't really see them missing the playoffs, but they're going to fall in that range. Um, Chicago Bulls at six. I like the Bulls a lot, but their defense like concerns me because Vucevic, not a good rim protector. Then you have DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on the wings. Neither one of them is a good defender. Um, you have Lonzo, you have Pat Williams. Those two could be good defenders. And you have Caruso off the bench. But are they really enough to, to make up for the rest of them? Because it's like, yeah, good perimeter defenders work, but you, you need a defensive anchor because a defensive anchor can make up for bad perimeter play. But I don't know how much the bad perimeter – I mean – the bad interior play can make up or the good perimeter play can make up for the interior defense. I don't know how much it can make up for. So it should be interesting to see how they go. They can't just go with this hyper offensive team. That's going to be really fast break heavy. Should be interesting to see. I mean, they good enough to play in the half court as well because they have Zach Levine, they have Busevich and everything. They can play multiple styles, but it's going to be interesting to see how they work out defensively. That's just the biggest concern. DeMar DeRozan didn't really good, look good preseason wise. Um, I still think he's going to, him not being a shooter is going to hurt them in some ways. They're going to need Patrick Williams to make that leap and make a jump, but I still think they're going to be good enough. They're going to have Kobe White off the bench still. This team can still make a lot of noise. I just don't think they're good enough to get into that Tier 1. That's why I have them in the Tier 2. But I have them on the upper half of the Tier 2. Not I don't have them in the same realm as the Knicks and Celtics, but I have them about like that 5 to 7 range. Like I have them have 5 to 8. I don't see them falling all the way to 8. I don't see them falling into the playing game at all. I think they're going to be they're going to be outside the playing game one way or another. I just don't think this team's going to be that bad. I think they're going to be good enough to stay out of there. At 5, I have the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks look really good. I just think the only reason they fall this far is because we don't know what they're going to make move-wise. They've already said that they not they don't want to pay all these people. Ownership has made it clear they don't want to pay all, everybody. So is Cam Reddish going to get paid? Is what's called 
what's called everybody else is going to get paid. It's going to be there. Like I already announced earlier, they they paid Herder, but let's see how they pay everybody else. Um, it's going to be interested. They got good um for forward play. They got good guard play. Uh, Onyeka is going to miss some time, so that's going to give uh Jalen Johnson some time to play because he can play small ball big. He can play two through five. He can, he's pretty versatile. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits in there. I just see Trey Young taking another step. I see all everybody, everybody basically on their team taking another step. They're a really good team. I just can't see them falling out of a top five. I think best case scenario, they go all the way to three. Worst case scenario, they go to five. I, don't, I can't honestly can't see them barring crazy injury like the Trey Young or somebody. And they finally paid John Collins. So I just can't see them falling outside of the top five. Um, the last team in tier two is the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat made a lot of moves this offseason. They brought in Kyle Lowry. They um, brought in Morris. They got they got they brought in PJ Tucker. They got a lot older. They did get a lot of older, but they got defensive heavy. Um, that's what they look like. They're gonna build on. They're gonna build. They're gonna work on their defense and their team play. There's not gonna be one. They don't have one clear cut superstar that's gonna just come out average twenty five a game. Um, they're gonna have all of them. Their leading score is probably gonna average about twenty twenty one points a game maybe 22. They're going to all be around that same area. They got a great defensive anchor in Bam Adebayo, who's my favorite to win defensive player of the year. They got Jimmy Butler still there, who I think is going to make an all-defensive team. They got P.J. Tucker, like I said, good defender. Kyle Lowry, good defender. They just got good defenders all around. They got they still got floor spacing with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Uh, I just think all around this team is going to still make a lot of noise just on their defense alone. And that's just that that their their play style is gonna be really good. They're not gonna be like the New York Knicks of last year, who focused a lot on defense. But then when it came to the playoffs, they kind of got clamped up. I don't see them falling into that. I think they're gonna they're 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 better than that team to where they're not gonna get clamped up when they come to the playoffs because they're focused only on defense and they don't really got a lot of scoring. I do think that's what's holding them back from being a tier one though and being a championship contender because when the time comes down, you're like, dang, we're struggling. You got the team ball works everything. But there's times where you need that clear-cut superstar top 10 player in the league to come out and just, you know, be like, hey, I'm going to take over and I'm just going to do what I need to do. And when you're playing against a lot of other teams that have two, like two or three top 10 players on their team, you're going to need to, you're going to need to match that firepower. And you don't, yes, you're a defensive team, but that defense can't match up with three top, two or three top 10 players on one team. It's going to be tough to battle, but that's just – that's certain matchups. Other matchups, they'll be just fine, but I think, like I said, that's the only thing that's holding them out of that tier one spot for me. I, I see Tyler Hero making a big leap. I see him getting up to that 16 to 18 point per game scoring this year, making a bigger jump, coming down and being like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. I like the Miami Heat, but I just don't see them better than a fourth seed. I see them as a fourth seed to anywhere like a sixth seed. I think they're about right there. Um, let's jump into the tier one, people. I got the 76ers as the first team on the tier one at the third seed. Uh, barring trade, I don't I don't know what my – barring trade, they might jump all the way up to number one, honestly. Um, we saw them in preseason. They looked really good because they had a – Embiid had nothing but spacing. He didn't have to worry about anything. It looked – the floor looked just so much more opened up with Ben Simmons, which kind of hurts my heart because that, that, that looks more like, dang, you see how much better they play without him. Yes, as an all-star, you can't just replace him by not like just not playing him doesn't doesn't help. Uh yes, he brings in a lot of things. He brings a lot of good things in there. So you want him out there. But at the same time, 
that space and win it be. I think Embiid's going to go nuclear this year and win MVP, um, barring injury. Like I said, Embiid, Luke, and Luka are two of my favorites to win MVP this year. I also have Embiid up there in the Defense Player of the Year race. So I just think he's going to have a crazy season. And to do that, he needs this spacing. So, I mean, Simmons comes back. We see him finally back. Hopefully he doesn't become a locker room cancer. Hopefully he doesn't hurt him because if he does be a locker room cancer, things don't start working out. I can see the 76ers dropping all the way to like 6th, 7th seed. But if he doesn't become a locker room cancer, they make a trade. They do everything they need to do. I can see him about the um, the second seed. I can see them as actually honestly as good as the first seed. Anywhere between one and three if everything goes right. But if things go wrong all the way to like a seventh seed, uh, the number two team, I have the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are interesting because Kyrie's not going to be playing. You're only going to have Harden and KD. I don't think this team is built to be a two-star team. I think they're built to be a three-star team because they don't have as much depth. Yes, they have, like, old players that they can put up numbers. So Blake Griffin, he can look good, but he's not going to bring enough to replace Kyrie. Paul Millsap's not bringing enough. Um, Alders are not bringing enough. Cam Thomas, yes, he's good. He's not bringing enough. Patty Mills, yes, he's good. He's not bringing enough. Uh, Joe Harris not bringing enough. I just don't think that they're constructed to be a two-star team. I think they're constructed to be a three-star team. So I can honestly see the Nets falling anywhere between two and five. I don't see them. I don't see a, a way for them to get to that number one. See, I see them being between two and five, and that's about the range I see them going. Uh, I think KD can have an MVP type season, but I think Harden also having a really good season too is going to hurt their numbers to where they don't both. Neither one of them gets a crazy amount of votes, so that's the only thing hurting either one of their MVP chances. But I still think they can get up to the two C best case scenario. And lastly, I have the Milwaukee Bucks as the number one seed, the reigning champions. Uh, I just don't. I don't see how we can't put them there. They usually they're usually a top seed. I know last year the 76ers knocked on where you're usually one of the top seeds in the East. They usually have one of the best defenses in the East. A full year Drew Holiday alongside um Giannis being hungrier than ever because he just came off a championship. People are saying he didn't deserve it. People are saying it's a um Mickey Mouse championship. I think he comes back even better than ever. We saw him in preseason. I know we see them doing this every year, just the same way Ben Simmons shooting jumpers and everything. But he looked really good. He was shooting jumpers, shooting middies. He looked like he added more to his game. So that should be interesting. Uh, like I said, full year Drew Holiday and everything. I just I think this team's gonna be really good still. And I have them still the number one seed. I don't have them my favorites coming out the East, but I do have them as a good seed. My favorites coming out of the East are still the Brooklyn Nets. And um, second place, I have the 76ers. And third, I have the Bucks. But record-wise, going off just regular season alone, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. But anyways, guys, this has been another episode of the Ask Geeks podcast. I'm tired, and I need to go get some water because I've been talking for a long time. But anyways, always, always, always remember to respect women. But most importantly, remember to respect yourself. Oh,